We live in a culture today where Christianity is being challenged wherever you go. Things are thrown at us from television, from the world around us, from the schools that we go to, to the workplaces that we are a part of. Even in the church today, the name of the Lord is compromise. As many different places who call themselves churches believe different things and accept and tolerate things that we know the Bible says is wrong and it is sin. We live in a time when doing right is going to cost you something. Whether it be friends, whether it be a job, whether it be a relationship, whatever it is, when you take a stand for God, it is going to cost you something. Because the world doesn't like to hear the name Jesus. We are going to be persecuted. And we need to understand that when the persecution comes our way, it's not us they are persecuting. But they are persecuting our, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And he is there with us. He is fighting the battles with us. But yet, so many times in our culture today, we allow the culture to dictate to us, even sometimes in the church, what is right and what is wrong. You see, we must realize when we stand for right, we're going to have opposition. And we need to understand as we think about our lives, whether you're an adult here, whether you're a student, everyone is not going to like you. And if everyone likes you, you're doing something wrong. Because you're not going against the culture. You're not going against what the world is trying to throw at us. If we turn on our television and we watch sports, you remember a couple years ago, Tim Tebow who was one of the outspoken Christian athletes, and whenever he would score, he even became known as T-Bowen. He would get on his knee and pray, and people ridiculed that. Just two, three weeks ago, we had a guy on the New Orleans Saints who wore a headband that said, man of God, and they ridiculed that. You see, when we take a stand for Christ, people are going to ridicule what we do in the world. Because the world should not think like us. Because we should be different. Especially in the church. You see, we don't live in the same country that we lived in a couple years ago, many years ago when the foundation was people went to church all the time and people learned about scripture and learned about the Bible. And the Bible was the manual to life. And this is what we did in our homes. We looked at God's word all the time. What has happened today is the Bible has become just the other book. And our education books have taken the place of what we are doing in our homes. You see, when we look at our school and we look at our textbooks for those students, those textbooks change, but the Word of God never changes. It's the same. It's the foundation. It's what we are to build our lives on. This should be the manual to every one of our homes, every one of our lives as a Christian. You see, as bad as things are now, we sometimes think, well, you know, they're terrible, you know, it's, it's so bad, and what do you do in this world? But it was just as bad back in the day as we look at God's Word. There were three young men who tried to take a stand against a whole nation because everyone else was ready to compromise and bow down to an idol. But these three men said, you know what, I'm going to take a stand no matter if no one else does. And as you have already began school, you know, I want you to understand that, hey, 
you're going to have these trials and these tribulations and come into your life where you have to make decisions about school, you have to make decisions about clubs. I want you to line them up with the Word of God. What does God want, us, want you to do? This morning we look at five points. And the first point we look at is this. Christians will be challenged to compromise their faith. And if you have your Bible, you can turn to Daniel chapter 3, verses 1 to 7. And this is a very familiar passage. You know, we've all heard this going to Sunday school. But I think that right now we need this. Because we need to understand exactly what it is to go against the culture. Because culture is throwing so many things at us as the church and as Christians. And we just allow it to come in. And this is what it says in, in Sunday verse 1. King Nebuchadnezzar made an image of gold, whose height was 60 cubits and his breadth 6 cubits. He set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. Then King Nebuchadnezzar set to gather the satraps, the prefects, the governors, the counselors, the treasurers, the justices, the magistrates, and all the officials of the provinces to come to the dedication of an image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. Then the satraps, the prefects, the governors, the counselors, and treasurers, the justices, Magistrates and all the officials of the provinces gathered for the dedication of the image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And they stood before the image that Nebuchadnezzar had set up. And the herald proclaimed aloud, You are commanded, O people, nations and languages, that when you hear the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the trigon, the harp, the bagpipe, and every kind of music, you are to fall down and worship the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar has set up. And whoever does not fall and worship shall immediately be cast into the burning, fiery furnace. Therefore, as soon as all the peoples heard the sound of the horn, the pipe, the lyre, the trigon, the harp, the bagpipe, and every other kind of music, all the peoples, nations, and languages fell down and worshipped the golden image that King Nebuchadnezzar had set up. You see, the king had this big image, this big golden idol for the, everyone to bow down to. You see, today we don't have golden idols. We don't have these things that we bow down to, but we have other idols in our lives. When we consider and we look at our, our, the thing is, are we challenged to think the way of the world? And if we don't think the way of the world, we will be ridiculed. Are we challenged to keep our mouths shut when we know what the teacher in school may say that goes against our beliefs? Parents, are you invested in your kids to know what they are facing and what things are being taught that go against your beliefs? You see, today, we compromise our beliefs all the time. And again, it's not about the golden idols. It's not about what we bow down to. But think about it. We compromise our beliefs in school. We compromise our beliefs as an adult on jobs to get ahead. Because I know if I take a stand for God and I do what's right, then our business might lose some money. Or what are people going to say about me if I take this stand for Christ? If we're known as a Christian business, what's going to happen? In school, you're called out to compromise maybe by cheating on a test or homework. Small things. You can also be tested by making fun of another student, joining in and when they're laughing at someone else. Ha ha, look at that guy over there. You may not be the one who's doing it, but you may be a part of it. And if you're a part of it, you're just as involved as everyone else. Adults, you compromise on your jaws by doing things that you know should not be done. You see, it's easy to do what everyone else is doing. It's easy to follow what someone else says to do. 
But it's hard to go against what God, we so many times go against what God teaches us to do. Because we want to get ahead in life. We want people to like us. We want people to accept us. When we know when something is wrong, we still do it because we are more concerned about other people than we are concerned about our Savior's name and his reputation. You see, because as Christians, that's who we represent. We represent Christ. That's who we are to take a stand for. That's who should be number one. Not these idols that we put in the way of Christ. The second point is this. Christians will be criticized by the world. It's not when or if. If we take a stand for Christ, we will be criticized by the world. In verse 8 of Daniel chapter 8, it said, Therefore at that time certain Chaldeans came forward and accused the Jews. They declared to King Nebuchadnezzar, O king, live forever. You, O king, have made a decree that every man who hears the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music shall fall down and worship the golden image. And whoever does not fall down and worship shall be cast in the burning, fiery furnace. There are certain Jews whom you have appointed over the affairs of the province of Babylon, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These men, O king, pay no attention to you. They do not serve your gods or worship the golden image that you have set up. You see, you're always going to be criticized. And these aren't just any men. This is Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. These are your boys, king. They're your boys. They're the ones you put in charge. They're not listening to you. They ain't paying no attention to you. They got no respect for you. You know those people who come in the peanut gallery and try to stir up all the trouble and saying all the things? That's what these were do- they were doing. Trying to stir up every problem. They say, hey, king, these are your boys. And they don't care about you. If we had to look at our culture today, they may say like this. Them boys you put in charge, they ain't checking for you. That beat drop, and they ain't bow down yet. They ain't care what you're playing. They ain't bowing down to this idol. They say they ain't worrying about you. That's how we put in our culture today. They don't care about you. That's your voice. What you could do about it. Of course, this would make anyone mad, right? I told you to do something, but you're not doing it. You're making me look bad, and that's what the king is thinking. Hey, you guys are making me look bad. It's my reputation that is on, on right now. Because I put you in charge. I'm the ones who are, you're my representation. And you're not listening to me. So what are the other people going to think? It's just like us in the world today. We're God's representation. What do people think about us? Do we take a stand when everyone else is bowing down? Do we go against the grain when everyone else is doing it, but we want to take a stand for Christ no matter what the consequence is going to be? As a young person in here, is it easy to be different than everyone else? No, it's not. But I ask you, whose reputation is greater? Is it Christ's reputation or your own? Like I said earlier, you're not going to be liked by everyone. Just this morning in our Sunday school class, we talked about friendships. And if any of us who are older in this room, we know that if we look back at our school days, 
the people who we thought we were impressing, if we're all, you know, real this morning, we would say more than 75% of them friends we don't have anymore. So young people, the people you're trying to impress now, the reality is, is that they're not going to be around when you get older. But God will. The people who are investing in your life and, and the principles of God's word, they will. Your friends will come and go. But God will always be there with you. The third point is Christians will be challenged to follow the patterns of the world. Like I said, you would be mad. You would be furious, and this is what the king is. Then Nebuchadnezzar in a furious rage commanded that Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego be brought to him. So they brought these before the king. Nebuchadnezzar answered and said to them, Is it true, O Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, that you do not serve my gods or worship my golden image that I have set up? Now, if you are ready, when you hear the sound of the horn, pipe, lyre, trigon, harp, bagpipe, and every kind of music, to fall down and worship the image that I have made well and good. But if you do not worship, you shall immediately be cast into a burning, fiery furnace. And it who is the God who will deliver you out of my hands? Again, the king now is furious. And now he wonders, hey, maybe you guys didn't hear the sound. Maybe you heard a hearing, you maybe not didn't hear the sound, but I'm going to play it one more time for you to give you another chance because you're making me look bad. And you know what? They say, we're not going to do it. We don't care what you say, king. We're not going to bow down. We're not going to compromise our faith because everyone else is doing it. You see, young people, so many times as we think of our lives and we think of the people we try to impress in school and we think that everyone else is doing, doing it, it's easy to follow everyone else. It's hard to stand alone. But people will respect you for standing alone. They may talk about you, but you have made a scene, so now they will talk about you. And you know who you point them to? Jesus Christ. My God. My Savior. This is why I do what I do. Not for my own merit. Not for me to get all the attention. No, no. I want to point you to the Savior of the world. The one that I stand up for. This is the only reason because... Who wants to be criticized? No one. So when you criticize me, you're, you're criticizing my Savior, my God, not me. He's going to fight my battle. He's going to be there with me. You see, this is the problem we have. Everyone else is doing it. People are going to call me weird. They're going to call me all sorts of names. But the Bible tells us that we must be weird. Because many are going to follow the path of destruction. But few are going to be the road of eternal life. So what makes it any different today? What makes us think that we get a pass? Yes, things have changed. Teenagers have more access to more things than we ever could imagine. They're smarter than us. They could teach you some things. Because of social media and all the internet. But one thing never changes is the Word of God. And this is the foundation of what our house must be on, built on. And this must be the foundation of what each one of our lives must be built on. As a student, you can't live your parents' faith, but you must have your own faith to live. 
You can't stand before God and say, but my parents were Christian, my grandparents were Christian, they took a stand. No, 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 no. Are you a Christian? Did you follow my commands? Do you know me? That's what's going to be asked. Not about your parents, not about everyone else, but you. Yes, we challenge, as is a user, but what about us adults? Hey, man, look, I need to get fast customs. You see these receipts right there, man? Look, I need to put that down. Everyone else is doing it. Hey, look, yeah, this government, they ain't doing nothing anyway, so let me do this right there. They ain't checking. They should be doing more, man. So they, they collecting all these taxes. But what is we as Christians supposed to do? Respect those that God has put in authority over us. Give Caesar what it says, even though it's hard. <laughs> it's hard. <laughs> See, I, I didn't want to look too far on that side over there. <laughs> but it's a man from BPL over there. But we must do it. We must pay. Because that's what God has told us to do. Whether it's easy or not. You see, sometimes even in life, we become so busy in the church that we don't have time for ministry. We don't have time to help. And sometimes, you know what I've heard before said to, to me? You know, following Christ and being a, a missionary or being involved in ministry, that's not successful. Because the world measures success by how much money you make. The world measures success by the biggest house you have. But let me tell you, this is from a book that I was reading. This is what it said. The world measures success by how much you have. God measures success. Success is measured and defined differently by God. God's measure of success involves our obedience and faithfulness to him, regardless of opposition and personal cause. His measure of success is whether or not we are being loyal to him in our personal relationship with him and in our lives. Also, whether we are accomplishing his goals and his purposes in our lives. Let me read what they say about Jesus. And this was the case. Jesus was also apparently a failure. If you measure his life here on earth by people's measure of success, then he appears to be a total failure. Jesus had little material possessions. He did not even own a home. Jesus was rejected by most people. And he was even hated by some. The religious leaders of the time despised him. Even his friends and those closest to him deserted him. Jesus was accused and found guilty of things he did not do. And he was beaten, spit on, cursed, mocked. He suffered terribly and died the most horrible kind of death known to man at that time. Death on a cross. If you measure him by the way most of us measure success, then Jesus was a failure. Jesus didn't have anything. Is he a failure? No. He's our Savior. He's the reason we have to live. This brings us to the fourth point. Christians must be courageous to stand up against the world. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego answered and said to the king, O Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If this be so, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace. And he will deliver us out of your hand, O king. But if not, be it known to you, O king, that we will not serve your gods or worship the golden image that, we, that you have set up. You see, standing up is always going to take courage. 
and standing up can sometimes feel alone. Imagine everyone else is doing it and you're not doing it. How are you going to feel? You will need courage because it is hard to stand up for what you believe, especially when you feel alone. And I think that sometimes when we read this and we look at God's Word and we see this in the Scriptures, we, we know it's, it's kind of a little easy for us because we know the end of the story. We know the end of the story. But Shadrach, Meshach, and Domingo didn't know the end. They didn't know what was going to happen to them. Verse 17 says, We know that our God can deliver us. Verse 18 says this, But if not. They didn't know he was going to deliver them or not. But they were willing to go through the fiery furnace for his sake. Even if he didn't deliver them, they was going to take a stand for him. Again, we know the end. We know that they are delivered. But what about you? Are you willing to take a stand no matter what comes your way? What, no matter what ridicule comes your way, whether you have to go through that fiery furnace or not, are you willing to take a stand for Christ no matter what? Whatever people say about you, you're willing to take that stand. It's going to take courage. Are you willing to say, you know what? I really don't care if I lose friendships over this because God's reputation is the most important thing to me. I don't care if I'm going to lose clients because of this. God's reputation is more important to me. You see, too many times we compromise because we look out for ourselves. But as a Christian, it's not our reputation on the line. It's Christ's reputation on the line. You see, they could have easily, in their you know, minds, thought to themselves, you know what, we're going to bow down, not, not in our hearts, but just to, to, to not make a big scene. But they know that was wrong. They knew it was wrong. They wanted to take a stand and they wanted people to notice them. What about you? What about me? Do I want people to notice me because of Christ? Or do I want people to notice me because of who I am or what I have done? I want to point people to Christ. That's what they did. They said, you know what? We're going to stand up for our God, our Savior. And we don't care what people say about us. We don't care what we got to face. If we got to go through this fire, friends, we got to have this fire and be burned to death. If God says that, well, we're going to do it. What is your fiery furnace? What is it that you're scared to lose? Is it your life? Are you holding on to your life and not letting Christ be honored in your life? Because you're scared and, and, and you just, you know, don't think it's successful to do these things for God and you want to be successful in the world's eyes because you want to get by. The end of the chapter, as we look, and this is the last point. Christians can be confident that God is with them no matter the results. Verse 19 said, Then Nebuchadnezzar was filled with fury. An expression of his face was changed against Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. He ordered the furnace heated seven times more than it was usually heated. And he ordered some of the mighty men of the army to bind Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego and to cast them into the burning, fiery furnace. Then these men were bound in their cloaks, their tunics, their hats, and their other garments, and they were thrown into the burning, fiery furnace. Because the king's order was urgent, the furnace was overheated, the flame of the fire killed those men who took up Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. 
And these three men, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, fell bound into the burning, fiery furnace. I want to stop there for a second because I wanted to see as the king is furious. He is mad. He said, look, we're not going to leave it with what's turned seven times harder. And you know what? I don't want any men to be there. I want some of my mighty men to be there. Some men who could really hold on to these fellows and make sure that they're going to get in there. I don't want just leaders for the, uh, no, these, these other fellows. Over. No, no, I want the mighty men to be there. And as they get closer, they die. Because it's too hot. It's too hot. Then, King Nebuchadnezzar, verse 24, was astonished and rose up in haste. He declared to his counselors, Did we not cast three men bound into the fire? They answered, said to the king, True, O king. He answered and said, But I see four men, unbound, walking in the midst of the fire, and they are not hurt. And the appearance of the fourth is like a son of the gods. Then Nebuchadnezzar came near to the door of the burning fire furnace. He declared, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, servants of the Most High God, come out and come here. Then Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego came out from the fire. And all the people, as they saw, they saw all of this. The fire had not had any power over the bodies of those men. The hair of their heads was not singed. Their cloaks were not harmed, and no smell of fire had come upon them. Nebuchadnezzar had said, Blessed be the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, who has sent his angel and delivered his servants who trusted in him and set aside the king's commandment command and yielded up their bodies rather than serve and worship any god except their own. Therefore I make a decree, any people, nation, or language that speaks anything against the god of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego shall be torn limb from limb, and their houses laid in ruins, for there is no other god who is able to rescue this way. Then the king promoted Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego in the province of Babylon. Again, as we see, we see the results. We knew the results. But we see how the kings, everything changed because of what they did. It changed from bow down to this idol and you'll be thrown in the fiery furnace to now bow down to the God, the God, the king of kings, the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, the one that took a stand when no one else would. Think about you and me. How many times have we shied away because of ridicule that we get from people. Instead of standing up for Christ and people seeing Christ in us. You see, when we take a stand, people are going to notice it. And because of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego's faith, the king made this degree to worship no other God but the one true God. You know, we could look through history, we look at all the missionaries who have died for their faith. You know, we know of all of them through history. As hard as that was, probably, and, you, and I wish probably, you know, we could ask them, I know they probably wouldn't change a thing because they want to take a stand for their God no matter what. What about you? What about me? And I'm very careful, you know, when I preach because I want to preach to myself first. Am I willing to take a stand no matter what? Whatever I may face, whatever problem that may come my way, or am I willing to compromise just so I don't have to go through that extra stress in life? Students, are you willing to say, you know what? I'm willing to take a stand in my school. 
I'm willing to make a difference. And the reality is that today in schools, it is completely different than even when I went to school. And that was only like two years ago when I graduated. <laughs> no. But it is different then that now, when I went to school, we called it Bible. Now we've changed it to religious knowledge. Then we changed it to we don't even have it at all no more. You see, it ain't just in the United States. It's right here. Your students are challenged with evolution. You're challenged with gay marriage, the LGBTQ. Don't forget the Q. These are challenges that I didn't have to face, but they are facing them now. What are we doing about it? Are we pointing them back to God's word? Are we saying this is what God intended? Because this book never changes. And God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You see, the only way this is going to happen, as we think of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, is this. They wasn't concerned about the challenge. They took the criticism. They took the challenge against the king. Was courageous in standing up for their God. And finally, they were confident in the results, whatever the Lord had planned. Are you? Are me, am I? Am I willing to take a stand when no one else does? At this time, we want to do something a little different than we normally do. I want every student to stand up. Every student. And we want to have a prayer for our students because our students go through a lot. And a lot of different trials and tribulations and a lot of things are thrown on them that you as parents don't even know. But we want to pray for them that they would take a stand, they would make an impact wherever God has them, that they would be a light that shines bright for Christ. Let's pray. Dearly Father, we thank you. Thank you that you are a great and awesome God. Thank you that your word is true today. It was true back then. You've given us examples all through Scripture of young people that have taken a stand for you and who have made an impact throughout history. Father, I pray for these students. I pray that you would help them, that you would help them to grow in their faith, help them who don't know you as Lord and personally, they will come to know you. But Father, we pray for those who know you as Savior, that they would take a stand, that they would make an impact in their schools. And Father, I know sometimes we think, well, we'd send them to a Christian school, but that doesn't even matter. Because that's just a label sometimes. But Father, we pray that you would help them to be a light that shines bright for you. That people will see these young people and they wouldn't see who is standing, but they would see you. And they would say, wow, that person is different. And you can say, I am different because I have a relationship with Christ. And his reputation is the most important thing to me. Father, again, we pray for these. Pray that you would strengthen them, that you would help them, that you would guide them and direct them. Father, we know it's hard today. There's so many things being thrown at these young people, and we pray that you would help them to put your word as their foundation, that that would be the manual to their lives. Not the math book, not the history book, but your word. And that they would hide your word in their hearts, that they may not sin against you. That they, your word would be the path of their life. 
And we just thank you. We pray and we thank you for each one of these, that you would help them to grow in their faith. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.